0: Hey, welcome back to Make More Music, the podcast that connects people to music and one another. My name's Chris, and I'm a board-certified music therapist. If you are just tuning in for the first time, I'm glad you're here. We had an awesome launch last week where I'm just blown away by the amount of people have already downloaded, shared, and joined in on our conversation on Instagram at make.more.music. We're here to just share the stories of music and music-related field professionals and really just realize that it's not just starving artists, to rock star. Today, I've got a really awesome interview with a guy who's doing something I would have never thought about doing, and that's actually manufacturing guitar strings. Scott Marcourt is the founder and president of Stringjoy LLC, a boutique guitar string company out of Nashville. And he's got a really cool backstory where he talks about working at 30 Tigers and building a recording studio at Vanderbilt. So um, I think you're really going to enjoy this chat. He's a cool guy. So without further ado, here is Scott Marcourt of Stringjoy. Welcome Scott. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. We've been going back and forth for a while, so I'm really excited. I first heard you talk on the tone mob podcast, and then I became friends with Blake and then we got connected a little bit, uh, and I actually got to try out some of your strings recently and I. Used the one acoustic set this weekend on a wedding gig I had, so that was cool. Oh, awesome! And um, I've been playing my electric for work and stuff. I love your strings, so tell me a little bit first like, give us a, a picture of what you do on the day to day, as far as what's your company. Tell us a little bit about that, absolutely. And then we'll backtrack,
1: yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me, Chris. Uh, it's been delightful getting to know you, and I'm excited to. Uh, dive in deep and and all that today. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, So I'm the the founder and president of Stringjoy. I I started Stringjoy as kind of a a side project about five years ago. Um, So over the course of the five years we've been around, I've done kind of everybody's job. At the the very beginning, it was just me. And then I got one person to help me out. Um, But uh, at the current moment, as of uh, December 2019, Um, we've got 10 employees and I kind of head things up. So, um, right now what I'm doing the most of is R and D, um, general product design, um, keeping up with ensuring that we're doing everything as best as we possibly can, or, you know, trying to find some ways to make an existing product a little bit better or come up with new product lines, um, or streamline efficiencies and all that. that. That's what I really, um, get into in the day to day of my life currently, which I absolutely love. Um, one of the fun things about having a company that's grown as quickly as we have over the years is that uh, every couple of months, you know, you're having to find new systems and new ways to do things because the mm. ways that work really well um, when you're selling X number of set of strings do not work anymore when you're selling three times that. So that, that keeps, me, uh, keeps me busy and keeps me excited. And I, I love coming to work and addressing those challenges head on.
0: That's exciting. Um we'll get a little bit more into String Joy, yeah. but I just want to backtrack way back to the beginning and was wondering what were some of your first musical memories?
1: Oh man. Um, so I, I think I've been like uh, a music freak since as, as long as I can really remember. I remember mm-hmm. in when I was five years old in kindergarten, we were learning sign language to Stop in the Name of Love by Diana Ross and the Supremes. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> and I like fell in love with that song. I went out and I got a cassette at I think probably like Sam Goody or something like that uh, of <laughs> the Supremes' greatest hits and like fell absolutely in love with that. Um, shortly thereafter i went like my dad is really into country so i got really into randy travis around like you know late kindergarten early first grade um (laughs) and and have really just been all about music my entire life uh once i was about in fourth grade or so i started learning to play the guitar um and just took to that like uh, a fish in water um and from from then on up until now i've been involved in music on so many different levels whether it's um, playing or producing records, which I did when I was younger. Um, I worked in the music industry before I got into, um, the music products industry, I guess, um, was working in artist management for a couple of years. So I've, I've been kind of every side of the music world and I just, you know, I, I love it. It's, uh, it's my favorite thing to, to wake up and do every day. It's something to do with music.
0: Yeah. That's pretty awesome. You started guitar pretty young then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even sure. Well, I actually, I do know why my, my parents got, my sister and I guitars for christmas uh, totally unsolicited
0: uh, um, that's exactly how i got my first is guitar. that right yeah. christmas present in seventh grade yeah. go
1: parents thanks uh <laughs> thanks mom and
0: dad yeah
1: they, they yeah. got my
0: sister like an offender
1: a, a dreadnought um and got her like a couple months of guitar lessons um and for me they got me this little squire like parlor uh guitar because i was smaller at the time i guess and uh didn't get me any lessons they're like yeah you'll figure it out because that's kind of how <laughs> how I've always been yeah. um and uh my sister did not uh proceed with the guitar but but I very much did um right. and, and something i remember from all that is i was i was learning on the guitar and i had this like a uh, lesson book or something um but the simplest thing i didn't grasp i thought for like the first few months i was trying to teach myself that you were supposed to like put your fingers down on the frets themselves mm. um And I was, like, pushing down as hard as I could. And, like, that'll work if you push down really, really hard. (laughs) Um, But... But it was it was no fun, and I w- I felt like I was so far behind. And then one day <laughs> it it clicked that I was just doing it wrong, and I moved just behind the frets, and I was like off to the races because I had wow, like this
0: doesn't sound terrible. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I, I had like been working so hard just to like make it work the wrong way that once I found out the right way, I was like light years
0: ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I Was like oh yeah, this so is you easy. Made that first like two months of guitar the hardest part you exactly made it harder on yourself
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: That's hilarious. So you started playing guitar. Did you play any other instruments growing up? Yeah. you still uh, play any instruments?
1: I started playing the bass um, really shortly thereafter when I was in – so um, when I was in fifth grade, we had to pick an instrument in band or orchestra at my mm, school. And uh, Oh, right on. And that's also an awesome thing schools do. So I, I picked trumpet because I thought the, I was really into like the Commodores and like 70s funk at the time uh in fifth grade and I thought that'd be pretty sweet. So I, I started playing the trumpet but I was bad. Um and in sixth grade I uh I'd become pretty decent at guitar. So I ended up kind of begging my band director to let me play the bass guitar in band because we our low brass is pretty crummy. Um and he told me like, yeah, if you can uh you know play he gave me some sheet music. I can't remember remember what it was, but he was like if you can like learn this uh and then play it for me in like two days, then you can do it. So I went out and I bought a bass guitar because I did not own one. Um, And I had this old uh, like Casio keyboard that on the screen, if you played a note, it would show you where that note fell on the staff on the Traveller bass clef. Oh, man.
0: So I looked at that. Yeah. And
1: I would like go play the keyboard until like the note was the same note as on the musical staff because I didn't couldn't read bass clef. And then I would find that note on the guitar uh, on the bass guitar. So I like spent all all night for like two days uh, learning the piece that way. Um, and came in and wow. played it. You That's know, a great well way, way enough. To learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, uh, just like before, it's the hard route <laughs>
0: for sure. Yeah, uh, but that got your ear guy. and your eyes like at the same time. That's awesome. totally.
1: Yeah. So I, I played bass guitar in, in the concert band from sixth grade up through uh, my senior year. Um, and so I, I've really been playing bass as long as I've been playing guitar. Um, I, wow. I, I also got a drum set at some point in in high school, uh, I was never all that good of a drummer. I played drums in a rap rock band once uh, during a summer of, of college. Uh, they are still a band, but I won't tell anybody their name because you know I don't need that connection. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. But and, and I've I've been a lead singer in a lot of different bands too. So I've I've worn about every hat. I'm lousy at keyboards. That's the only thing I I truly wow. can't do.
0: So you were in Public Enemy, it sounds like. And then, <laughs> yeah, uh, I wish. Yeah. So my. Favorite thing to find out because I did kind of the same thing in in high school and stuff. I had mm-hmm. a lot of bands and things like that. Tell me some of your band names. I love hearing what people's band names were in. Like oh, that's school amazing! And high school.
1: Great yeah. question. Yeah, so my my main one, like my personal pet project, was called I, All Seeing Eye. Um, mm. I it, I would oftentimes replace the eye and seeing with uh, the number one because that felt you know pretty edgy at the oh, time. Oh, Wow. Um, yeah. And then I was in a hardcore band called Rise Above the Fire uh, for a time. That's a good hardcore Uh, name. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then I had a a, a silly little project with uh, some of my other friends that we called Thrall, which was just uh, a joke more than anything. But yeah, always the good band names in high school, man. You're right. Yeah.
0: And I just remember taking everything so seriously. Like, of course. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is our career, right? You know, yeah. I was, the, I thought I, like, like I was going to get signed like right out of high school. Like it was so, it was so serious.
1: Absolutely. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at my old guitar case cause it's near me and I, I had a band called Vertigo too, which that was actually uh, a good band name.
0: Come to Come That of. is a good band name. That's yep. hilarious. I love hearing <laughs> the old band names. Um, So you, Where did you grow up? Were you in the Nashville area or did you move to Nashville?
1: No, yeah. I'm from Indianapolis, just the north side of Indy. Um,
0: Came down here for
1: for college, as most people from Indiana uh, plan to move to somewhere else.
0: (laughs) To not Indiana. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So uh, you went to school. Was that for music?
1: No, uh, I went to Vanderbilt. I studied English history and organizational development, which is kind of like their businessy undergrad program. Um, cool. But while I was there, I started a recording studio on campus and helped getting the, me and another guy uh, jointly helped get the school to fund it. Um, and I produced a lot of stuff for other Vanderbilt kids out of out of that. That's kind of how I made my my beer money during college is like, yeah, uh, $100 uh, a song sessions for like girls that wanted to be Taylor Swift, um, which
0: At the time, I'm assuming in Nashville, there were a lot of those.
1: Everybody. Yeah. Every single person (laughs) I heard every, every song and and all the songs were the same. No offense to any of those, uh, those folks, but like, you know, it's always a song about a boy and it seems like they're all writing about the same
0: boy, which maybe they were. (laughs) Like, how can I change the words to teardrops on my guitar and, (laughs) and make it my song? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's hilarious. So that, that's really cool. Does your studio... Still operate as far as and, I know at any level,
1: as far as I know it does, last I checked in I, I I haven't been over there in quite a while, even though it's not too far from me, but um, I think it has survived us, wow, so there's like a
0: campus studio that you basically helped set up, yeah, exactly, wow, that's cool, that's really cool so um, and you said you got into a and r after that at some point, right?
1: yeah, so when I was my senior year of college, uh, I started interning at a company called Thirty Tigers. Um, who has worked with everyone wow. from like Jason okay. Isbell That's to awesome. Sturgill Simpson. To, um, these days, they're working with tons of people. Uh, I can't even keep track of it. Um, but I was interning for for one guy there, and at the end of school, um, I decided to partner up with him. So he kind of took me on under his wing, um, and we were co-managers. Um, he was obviously kind of the lead manager. I handled a lot more like back office stuff because I was a little bit better at the organization side of things um, and less good at the – you know shake hands and party with people till five in the morning uh side of (laughs) artist management um but yeah i I did that for a couple of years uh working management managing a couple bands and then eventually kind of wanted to do my own thing and and you know it was awesome working with with bands and musicians but as a lot of the listeners out there probably know that's uh that can be a tough road to hoe as far as like making a decent living you know yeah Um, So I felt like I wanted to be involved in music, but I wanted to do something that was, you know, had had an easier route and that, you know, when I when I got there, I would it would be a lot more durable. You know, maybe that's a, yeah. a better way of putting it. Music careers can you work really hard and, and then, you know, they can also just
0: kind of fall uh, by the wayside Whereas they're delicate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like even something that's going so amazing. You kind of have that feeling of like the ground could be pulled out.
1: Yeah. You know, even after you have like an amazing like debut record, you know, then the sophomore slump is a thing. And how many bands, you know, don't come back after that. So you're you're really never done fighting in
0: that world. Phew. That's yeah. It's it's almost like it's very equivalent to like sports. Like, yeah, exactly. you get it. OK, now what are you going to do next? That's so, right.
1: Yep. Yeah. You um, only get one one bad record. And that that's kind of it.
0: Yeah, geez. Especially it sounds like around that time was probably like getting into the transition of iTunes to to now what it is today. So I'm sure that was even more stressful because it was pretty small indie at that time, right?
1: Yeah, and, and and you know that's that's you're you're rather apt. So I, I think I got into the music business because I felt you know like a naive young kid that I could fix it, um, and I was like, oh, I've got these all these interesting ideas of ways we can do things differently or better, and, and try to you know save the music industry, as was much of the feeling back then.
0: Um, yeah, yeah,
1: but then I got into it, and I kind of realized that uh, that industry, especially, is just a hundred percent gatekeepers. You know, you you can come in with like really innovative clever ideas, but you need the permission of everybody up the ladder, uh, to be able to do anything. And most of those people up the ladder came, you know, into it during the radio days and don't really want to mm. change. Uh, yeah. So they trying
0: to keep their slice of the pie, their slice of the pie.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. There's a lot of resistance to change in that world. And, and that didn't really, um, I, I, especially as like a young risk taker, that wasn't what excited
0: me as, as much, you know, I wanted
1: to be able to try completely new things and, and see what would happen.
0: Well, that's pretty amazing. Before we kind of transition on to what's next, what are yeah. some of the coolest experiences? I I had no idea this 30 Tigers thing. So I want to hear some oh, yeah. of the coolest experiences you had there.
1: Yeah. So I, I think the coolest one to me was um when Jason Isbell finished the album Southeastern, um, the producer Dave Cobb, who worked on it, mm. brought in the the first like master into the office. Oh, and and wow. what we do back then is like the whole, for, for a really big artist like that. And, and he wasn't that big yet, but everyone kind of had the sense that he was about to be. And that so, is when he blew up. For yeah, sure. th- that was it. Uh, I had never really heard of him when I got to 30 tigers and, and you know, then he got really huge. But anyway, the way that we used to do it is, um, They would sit like everybody from the whole company, which at the time was like uh, 16 people or something, down Mm -hmm. in in David Macias's office and and just play. And we would all just listen to it. No one would say a word until the whole album was done. Um, So like getting to hear that for the first time before anybody and just I think like everybody in the
0: room kind of knew like, oh, yeah, (laughs) this is (laughs) is going to be big. Yeah, Um, that was really cover, cover me ups on that one. Right. I
1: believe so. Yeah. I'm trying to remember that that song.
0: Like I feel like I would be like in tears if I was hearing that for the first time like that. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty powerful moment. So that was, that was an awful lot of fun. Oh man. That is really cool. So how long were you there? I was there for a total of a little over two years, I think two and a half, maybe. Cool. Cool. So you're working there. And is that when your string joy kind of side hustle started? Well, so I actually ended up leaving. So without going
1: too much into the into depth, my um, yeah. my boss, who I was partnered with, um, decided to to leave the company and kind of head out on his own. Um, so I, I joined him on that road for a little while um, and kind of got everything set up. And then felt like I just needed to go do something else. So I, I actually just kind of jumped ship and went to bartending for a while um, okay. and didn't have anything um, particular in mind other than that I wanted to start a business. Um, but uh, a couple months later i i ended up um well it's actually an interesting story so I, I was i was really really sick um i was bartending and i had to basically i couldn't couldn't bartend for about a month or two i wow. was stuck in the house that i was renting out at the time um so i needed something to to fill my days um and that's where stringjoy was actually kind of born from i just had all this time in my hands and i'm i'm a maniac i have to always be working on something so <laughs> um I I took this idea that I had kind of turning in my head that that would become String Joy and you know put the the pieces in line to kind of make it a reality um at that time so it, it was it was born from uh, from a weird period in in my life for sure
0: Yeah that's interesting um I'm not sure if you've listened to much uh about uh Sean at uh Gun street Wiring but it sounds like you kind of had this similar uh like I'm in this place now I'm dealing with this and now this other thing comes out of it that you weren't even planning. That's pretty amazing. You know, I, I know Sean and yet I didn't know that he had a similar story. I'll have to, I'll have to connect with him about that. I might be remembering incorrectly, but I think it's a different, uh, it's another episode of tone mob. He kind of talked about right on. that kind of experience. So I'll
1: have to hit him up. I, I, I'm sure you're right.
0: I haven't listened to that episode, um, but Sean's an awesome dude. I'll, I'll have to bring that up when I see him next. Um, so before we kind of transition there, what is your favorite drink to make?
1: Ooh, um, <laughs>
0: so you know what's really
1: funny? I actually always made a really good Cosmo. Um, wow. I, I know that's that's an odd thing. It's not like my favorite drink to drink, but I had a, like a whole fleet of regulars that were you know women of a certain age who uh, very much appreciated <laughs> my 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 tricks with the Cosmos. And uh, I, I was in the service industry from when I was like 16 up until a couple years into Stringjoy, actually. Um and my bread and butter were always uh, women of that certain age. Um, Man, that is good. <laughs> so so that particular drink was very well suited to my demographic. I, I played very well there. Um and hamming uh, it up for them and everything. Oh yeah. yeah 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 you know it. Um bachelorette parties or any of that. Uh you know so that did really well. Uh and it's that like, was the best drink I could probably have in my back pocket for <laughs> for that. Yeah. You're like Mr. Krabs. Just give me all your money. That's that, exactly that right. Yeah, uh, I wore suspenders back in. You know when I was bartending, <laughs> I had the whole thing.
0: That is so great. That is so <laughs> great. Um, so you're kind of in this like personal hiatus, and I, what I don't understand is how you go from being a musician to working in the music industry to getting into this really technical aspect of yeah. the music industry. How? because even before i listened to your other episode at, at tone mob i was like how does someone get into thinking oh i want i want to learn how to make those like yeah. how did that all happen how did you get into thinking about strings like that
1: yeah well it actually that that goes back a long way so back when i was like 16 17 18 was when i Uh, started becoming like a big nerd about guitar stuff. I I, like my whole life, even though I'm not like an engineer, I I always take things apart and and try to put Mm. them back together. So I I did that with like the iron when I was four years old and got in a lot of trouble. Um, (laughs) But uh, I was doing that with all of my amps that I had or my guitars, just like there's nothing that's sacred to me. I like to take things apart and rebuild them and, you know find one little trick that makes them sound a little bit better work a little bit better so i'd been doing that for a while and i realized that i was at the time i was playing the uh, Dario like 10 to 46s um mm. and i was like huh that's weird i like i care about everything uh, about my rig from my cables to my pickups to my tubes to everything and yet i have never thought about my strings i just assume this is what mm. they are um so back way back when I I started kind of customizing guitar string sets. So I I really loved the sound of a wound third. Um, So I started buying sets that had a wound third so that I could mix those in with my other ones and playing with the other gauges in the set to just kind of get everything to sound really nice and balanced and feel the way that I I felt like they, I should want them to. And I realized that just like everything else in life, you know, uh, the, the big companies that were making strings just kind of do things a certain way. And there's definitely an opportunity to, uh, take a fresh perspective and and find a way to do things better. So I, I'd always had that uh, sort of idea, um, but once I was kind of looking for a business to start after I left the music industry, um, I started thinking about what itches I had that I could scratch, um, and there were a ton of them. I, I have still have like a long list of different ideas I had. Most of them bad. That's awesome. Um, but the one that I was thinking about that was an, uh, an issue for me is that mixing string sets like that is really expensive <laughs> and hard yeah. like i would have to buy different sets um or try to find like singles at a store which are always like they've been on the shelf for like three years yeah. um, and i'm mixing different brands and, and all this and that um so i was like huh you know if there's anybody else that's crazy like me and is mixing string sets like this this is definitely like an easy opportunity to make this easier you know just to like enable them to buy a pre-packaged set that has
0: the gauges they want, you know, yeah. for a and surely someone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sure. That, that's someone what I
1: thought. So that. so that was the ethos of the company at the beginning was nothing but like, we are an online custom string shop. I was, I was working with another manufacturer to make my strings initially. Uh, and that was the whole thing of like, Hey, you know, if you custom customize your string gauges, uh, we can make this process a lot easier, uh, order okay. the gauges you need, we'll pack them up for you. And you just have to pay for that set and they'll all be fresh. And, um, uh, you know, nice and easy. So uh, okay. uh, it, it started off that way. And, and uh, fortunately, I found out there were indeed other people out there that uh, that were customizing their string sets the way that I was. So so I got some business there pretty quickly. Um, and then, you know, as it grew, and as I found more people like that, I ended up getting to know tons more about the actual strings themselves. I, I would fly out to the person who was manufacturing my strings for me. And I I got the sense that nobody else that he made strings for had ever been there um, Mm -hmm. to see how they were made. So I, I started getting really particular and, you know, being like, Hey, I want you to do this, this core with this, this wrap, or I want you to wrap it this way, et cetera. Um, and he just got so tired of me eventually <laughs> being that, such a payr because' there are a lot of companies that uh just buy strings and put them you know under their name to sell uh yeah and and even though they all say like we only use the fine they don't know anything about strings, they just order the string stock and and that's it um but uh so I was a big thorn in his side from being the one person that was hyper-technical and and wanted things a certain way. So he ended up just selling me a couple of machines so that I could stop being a pain in his ass. That is hilarious. (laughs) That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, sorry to, to keep rolling on, but at that point I, I I got these machines and he trained me a bit on how, how they'd been doing it. So I, I got to kind of quickly come up to speed rather than just like buying a machine and not knowing how to, how to use it. Um, wow. So we were making strings as good as he was making for, for me uh, right from the jump. But then oh, wow. we just found so many things um, that we could do better once we were able to get, you know, our actual hands on them and do it our own way. Um there's there's so many things that I would call him and be like, hey, why'd you say to do it like this? And he'd be like, well, because the guy that I bought them from told me that's how they did it.
0: <laughs> you there know, you um, nothing sacred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, you know, long story short, the one thing I didn't cover there is uh, we at some point along the line stopped focusing entirely on custom string sets. We still do that, but um, much more of our business these days is our actual like balanced sets of strings or so things that you can buy that we we prepackage and sell at retail or on our site. Um, Et, et cetera.
0: Wow. So that is, that is pretty amazing. Um, so what is a day in the shop? Like, cause you've got, you said how many people now? 10, 10, people? there's 10 folks right now. Yeah. And that's yeah. that, that will probably be almost twice as much by this time next year. So, wow. Yeah. So what, what is right now, if you took a snapshot at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, what's a day look like for you all in the shop?
1: Yeah, so we kind of lay everything out in order. So at the back of the shop are all of our winding machines. Um, we currently have three winders that are making all of our strings. So they'll they'll wind up strings that we need. Those come up to our coilers, which we have two of, um, that coil the strings, inspect them, make sure everything looks great, put them into the envelopes. Um, and then depending on the set, either our, our batcher will... Put together they'll do say 144 sets of you know our balanced lights or whatever things that we sell a lot of um or um our shipping clerk will put together the custom orders and stuff so our shipping clerk when you uh order a set of balanced lights for example he's got those ready to go so we can grab those and pop them in an envelope but if you order one of those and then a custom set he'll grab those that we keep on the wall um off the wall and put that custom set together and ship that out to you as well uh, and then at the front i and my um, customer service savant um, handle everything that, that that customers need from marketing to great customer support um, and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. And you all have a beautiful website. You oh, have thanks. a great YouTube channel with like, you've got some videos that have really blown up too. So what, what has been kind of uh, amazing about the growth? What year did this even start?
1: Yeah. So it would have been the very end of 2014. We officially okay. became like a company on January 1, 2015. Um, the last like month of 2014, it was just like me screwing around on the internet basically.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So what's been surprising about this growth And you said you're expected to even maybe double by next, next year. Yeah. Yeah. So- we, we, we
1: tend to grow about 70% year over year. That, that's that been what we've kind of held to from the, the early days. Um, and, and we, we try to try to keep it that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I love the growth. I think that's what keeps me excited. Like I said,'m I'm, I'm a bit of a maniac, so I need things to focus my energy on. At, at the point at which the company was just like treading water and, and was huge and doing great, I'd probably find something else to do and leave it in, in really good hands. Um, you know uh, just because to me, finding ways to do things better, or do things differently is what what excites me the most.
0: Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. I mm-hmm. want to kind of transition to a little bit to, um, as you know, I work with a lot of music therapists and yeah. most music therapists, um, and I train a lot of the students, and most of the students come to guitar as usually it's it's already like the fourth instrument they've learned. So mm-hmm. not a lot of people take the guitar seriously for one, especially not things like maintenance and what strings do you have on and different things like that. So what are some common myths about strings that you you can debunk for us? What are oh, I know you yeah. have several YouTube videos and things that go through this too. So yeah. what are some regular things that would be helpful for people to know? Totally. I've got
1: so many. Um, So, like, uh, I'll try not to do too many of the marketing ones because there's definitely, like, a lot of, like, string marketing that's kind of ridiculous. You
0: can throw out some
1: of those, too, though. Okay. Uh,
0: Because that is the stuff that the students who don't know, they go into the store and they see these things and they see, you know, whatever marketing thing is. For example, on your website, you said, no, no coding, no gimmicks. I was like, oh, praise the Lord. I hate, <laughs> I hate the booger feeling on the coded strings.
1: Yeah, yeah. Me, me too, you know, and they definitely have like a, a use for some folks. So there, there's some folks out there that just like um, have super, super acidic sweat. Um, and so that can cause, cause some issues and coatings maybe make sense. But um, to me, ultimately, what makes a great string is how it's crafted. You know, when you cover something that resonates in a layer of Teflon, uh, teflon like a <laughs> nonstick skillet, it's going to inhibit how it how it resonates. You know, it's, it's not yeah. going to do the same thing. Um, and, and not to mention, you know, environmentally there, that's just a huge problem. Like, you know, a string that's mm. coated in Teflon is going to be a string coated in Teflon for eons, uh, literally until like the sun eats the earth. <laughs> wow. Uh, versus other, you know, straight up metal strings that can be scrapped and turned into other things. Um, So that's always a concern of ours too. Um, But anyway, kind of pivoting back, you know, one of the big ones is when you look at like, take a set of phosphor bronze acoustic guitar strings. Um, Mm -hmm. If you look at every single company that makes a set of phosphor bronze acoustic guitar strings, will tell you that they use only the most premium materials that are made exclusively for them. Um, and, and that's just, that's just kind of ridiculous. Um, we're mostly sourcing that bronze from the same place. Um, it's made to uh, ASTM standards through ISO-certified uh, wire drawers. So it's effectively the same, regardless of where you're getting it from. Um, that's not what makes a string better. What makes a string better is how it's made. Obviously, you need quality wire. But I I think a good example would be if you take a guitar, like the quality of the wood going into the guitar is important, right? But if you take a really great piece of wood and just cut it up with a hacksaw
0: and slop it together,
1: yeah, that's not going to be a great guitar. Like the wood doesn't override the, the construction. And I think for so many of the big players in the industry, everything's moved so much towards automation and so much towards finding the cheapest way and fastest way to make a string that you know they they try to kind of play up the material side of things or you know do we have coatings or you know do we have this totally different alloy on the wrap wire um which doesn't really um doesn't matter quite as much as the actual construction that goes into the string um so so that's a big one um another big one is that i think looking at strings it can be easy to think of these things like toothpaste where you look at the wall and you're like all right I, uh, a part of me just feels like these are all the same thing. (laughs) Like if they are different, I don't really understand how they are different. Um, strings are totally different from manufacturer to manufacturer. A 36 gauge string from one company might be made with a different ratio. And so that can perform totally differently than a 36 from a different company. Um, so trying different strings is, is really important. Um, one of the biggest things I advise people to do is people can get this brand loyalty in strings where they, you know, they probably find a brand because like their guitar instructor used that and said, this is what Mm -hmm. I use. Um, and then that's what they use forever. And you're kind of doing yourself a disservice there because, um, that might not be what really speaks to you or speaks on, on your guitar the right way. So I, I definitely encourage people trying out different things, whether it's different materials or different gauges or different brands, um, to find that thing that really resonates with them. Because strings are really kind of the bridge between you and your guitar. Um, you know, you, you say you play the guitar and that's true, but the guitar is just a resonating board. Uh, the strings are the thing that's actually making the sound. Um, obviously, the guitar is important there, too, but the strings are the things that you are manipulating to make that sound. Um, they, they matter a lot. And in general, I think um, a lot of players don't realize how important um, they can be,
0: you know? Yeah, that's amazing. I think uh, those are some great points that I think anyone can take away here. I'm definitely going to take away and talk to the students about and help them understand more. So what what advice would you give for someone trying to figure out what tension levels are, are best for them?
1: Yeah, and totally. You
0: know, you got into the mixing and matching. So mm-hmm. how do you help someone kind of go into that rabbit hole and come out? better for it
1: totally yeah i I personally find that starting we'll talk about electric guitar first and we can talk about acoustic too but cool um, with electric for example i think starting with tens is a really great place a lot of people start learning with nines um, and nines can be great but i actually don't think they're the best thing to learn with because when you have that that lower tension you can get a lot more buzz um, Mm -hmm. and when you're learning to like play a barcode for example um, buzz is one of those big things you're trying to not Get get wrong in your in your fingering, so having mm-hmm. strings that are more likely to do that can I think inhibit your learning process. So I, I actually recommend going somewhere around the tens level to to begin with. Um, might be a little bit harder at, at the jump, but you'll it'll pay dividends down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I really encourage players to kind of think you know is it more like i want a little bit more tension a little bit more quicker attack on the bottom end with the genre that i'm playing in which case maybe i need to go up a little bit um or am i just dying for more flexibility do i solo a lot and want to have big bends um on the upper end of the guitar in which case maybe going down a little bit can help um we offer things like nine and and ten a half and ten and a half as well um so that players can kind of find that that goldilocks zone yeah um so basically the process I kind of lay out for people is is first of all, kind of figure out what you're comfortable with on the top. So that's those gauges I'm referring to with like nines or tens or elevens. Um, the plain strings, basically. Figure out where you are with those. And then you have a couple of options. You can either kind of stick with a balanced tension relative to the plain strings for your wound strings, so that everything will have a similar sort of feel and take a similar amount of tension to fret or bend. Um, or if you want, you can go a little bit heavier to get a little bit more attack on the bottom end, but preserve that flexibility on the top. So we have things like our Huskies or heavy bottoms that are, that are great for that. Just a little bit more, more tension on the bottom. Um, and then outside of that, it's just some extra special considerations of, you know, do you want to try a wound third? Do you like that tonally, Um, are you willing to sacrifice some bendability on the G string to get more of a rounded tone? Um, or, you know, are you drop tuning a lot, in which case you might want to go a little bit heavier on the lower sixth string, Mm. um, things like that. Other than that, that's, that's kind of the, the simplistic process and it, it definitely takes time and not every guitar is the same and you're going to change over the course of your playing career, what you like and what you need. So, uh, it's an iterative process that never really ends, but that's, that's a good kind of roadmap.
0: That's that's pretty awesome, man. I'm definitely gonna push people to to your website because you've got so many videos, kind of that go over all of these different topics. But um,
1: totally, and and we also really love to work with players really closely. If you go to our site um, right now, there's a, a button right at the front. There's one that says Shop Strings and one that says Get Advice. Um, so myself um, or Kiki um, see all of those requests that come in. And we work with players to ensure that they're playing the right strings for them. Um, so I definitely encourage people to just hit us up too if they're not really sure and we can definitely recommend things
0: that are gonna work great. Uh, since your path is so unique, how do you encourage someone who's maybe in, in high school or was in college or or you know is already on this journey, wants to do something in music but doesn't think a traditional career in the music industry, whether that's performing or something like you were saying, like working for a studio or whatever is for them? And how would you help someone to be curious about working in products or working in something, starting their own business, something like that? Totally,
1: yeah. So it's tough because everyone's different, and and you never really know what's going to resonate with you until you try things. But I think the, the biggest thing that anyone can ever do is Go out and try to get some experience and see what you like. I I got a recording studio internship when I was eighteen. I was swiftly fired, Um, (laughs) but um, but I I learned a few things, you know, in my my brief time there, um, or got involved with with live sound stuff or whatever it is. So definitely, you know, reach out and try to connect with people and uh, see what out there you you might be interested in, whether that's hitting up a local venue and seeing if they might let you, um, you know, shadow the sound guy or something like that. Uh, It it could be anything. Um, But definitely there's no replacement for getting out there and getting experience and and getting your hands dirty and and seeing what works. And also, you know, networking is huge. It's everything. Um, I've had a lot of interns over the years, both when I was in management and here. Um, And I, I think the biggest thing is that when you're looking at music, Um, it's something that everybody kind of wants to do. If it were easy, you know, we'd have a nation of 50 million people that were music Mm. industry professionals, um, because everybody would love that, uh, if it offered the same sort of stability as other careers do. Um, but it doesn't, uh, and everybody wants to do it. So it's always going to be harder. Um, and you know, there's a little bit of an only the strongest survive sort of thing to it. So hmm. you definitely have to want it. You have to be willing to, to work hard, do things others won't do, or, you know, work with absolutely no pay. Um, if, if you want to be able to do it, but, uh, I have kind of a, one other message I want to send to people about that. And I yeah. think it's important. Um, I, I think in, in our modern setting, especially in America where we've really like careerized everything. Um, mm. We've kind of landed at a point where it feels like if you don't do something as your job, you don't really do it. You know, um, like if, if you're not doing, you only really do music if you're like making your, your primary income from that. Same thing with yeah. being a writer or being an artist or anything like that um and i think that that's really toxic uh for us yeah. uh, as as people because things like art and expression like that's something everybody should be doing you know it doesn't matter if you're a doctor or a lawyer or whatever like you should be painting or playing the guitar or singing or whatever that that's just a a core element to to what we are as people we like to express ourselves that way so i i think it's important to you know kind of resist the notion of of professionalizing it or suggesting that the only way um to be musical or be a real musician is to try to make your own income from it. It, It's perfectly acceptable to just want to do things as a hobby um, or, you know, or however it fits in your life. You know, Franz Kafka was a lawyer and also a really great, great writer. He did hate Mm. being a lawyer, but uh, it didn't make him any less of a writer because he was uh, a lawyer during his life. Um, And you see a lot of that. So uh I definitely want to encourage people, even if like the music industry doesn't work out or doesn't appeal to you for whatever reason, you probably have more sense than any of the rest of us. Um <laughs> to, you know, don't let that have anything to do with your ability to make music um in, in any context you want. Um, you know, express yourself. That's that's all that really
0: it comes down to. Oh man, I love that. I love that. <laughs> that transitions really great too into the last part before we get into our quick questions, the last part, because, um, my new business, the whole mission of this podcast is to connect people to music and to one another. Mm -hmm. So I just kinda, you, you already kind of hit on it a little bit. So I just love if you elaborate on, um, the, how, what are some of the actions and the, why, what's your, you know, philosophy of how you inspire and why you inspire other people to make more music. Mm, yeah um so definitely like for for me it's easy right because i make
1: strings so that's 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 the joy but it. it's definitely that's pretty awesome um, i get to come in every day and and try to make a product that that does inspire people and and i should say that really is our goal at the end of the day and nothing makes me happier than um getting emails which we get all the time of people saying that putting our strings in their guitar made it play better than before and that means that they're not putting their guitar down <laughs> anymore they're just playing it for 3 hours a night um, that's that's the coolest thing in the world to me. That that is the number one goal above all else is to get people um, playing playing more music um, because that's that's the joy. If it's something you love, you should be doing it um, as much as you can. Um, and to me, you know, the 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 why of why I do that is just because. Well, I don't know. I, music has been with us since uh, before even written word was was with us. Mm. It's it's something that's kind of deeply ingrained um, within our bones as humans. Um, almost everybody, like, it, it, it's kind of wild to me, almost everybody likes music of some variety, even if they don't have a musical bone in their body, they listen to music for an hour or two a day. And it's, it's a thing that speaks to them. So anything like that, that's like that universal amongst humans, um, I think is an honorable thing to to work in and promote and, you know, um, and, and, and be a part of any
0: way that you can. Mm, I love it so much. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to go on to our quick six. I've got uh, six questions to to ask you. They're going to be kind of rapid fire. Your answers oh. don't have to be short, but I'm going to, I've got some <laughs> quick ones for you. Right. First, I want you to get out your phone or whatever you listen to music with the most. Done. All right. So open up your, whether it's Spotify or Apple or whatever you use, what cool. is the last track you played? Ooh, uh,
1: so I was just listening to the the new Catronata album. Um, the final song of that is "Midsection," which features Pharrell. Um, nice. So that was
0: that was the most recent one for me. Awesome, awesome. Um, if you were an instrument, what would you be? You can take that as philosophically as you want.
1: Ooh, that's good. Um, I think I'm probably drums. Uh, I tend to be loud <laughs> <laughs> and and, I like and not subtle and very very direct and to the point. When I walk into a room, you you generally know it. So I think that's probably probably me.
0: Specifically, just a
1: set of symbols, just walking
0: around. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> Maybe uh, I, I might just be like the Toms, you know, where it's like it's it's nice in small doses, but really you're like, all right, all right, I'm done.
0: I don't need any more yeah, of that right now. It's been that Chips Ahoy commercial for just over. over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, cool, cool. What is something that has been inspiring you recently? Ooh, um, musically, philosophically, just absolutely anything out there. Yep. Doesn't, doesn't have to be anything specific.
1: Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of how, you know, how dark I should take this. Um, so I was reading a, a book about the Holocaust, <laughs> which, uh, which is no good, but that's been, that's been pretty, uh, deep in there for me. Um, in, in general, I'm just going to say the, the base, actually, this is like the, the, a less, less heavy answer. Um, but, work. uh, <laughs> um, I, I really haven't been playing a lot of bass for a long time, but then the past, like six months to a year, I've been getting like really, really heavy back into it. Um, I think the company's kind of at a point that I could maybe, uh, play a couple gigs here and there in the evening. So I'm kind of, uh, doing my own little mini boot camp and trying to get back good enough to where I can play in a band setting again. Um, so that's been fun for me because for many years starting the company, um, it's not like I wasn't playing guitar, but I definitely like didn't have the time to pursue any like musical efforts um, yeah. of my
0: own. It was work at the same time.
1: Yeah yeah, 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 exactly. And so now it's kind of finally transitioning back into something that I just come home and do. Cause I love and do for hours without thinking of, or having any real, you know, direct goals. Um, awesome. and, and that's just, that's a lot of fun. I almost think I have a healthier perspective at music on music now than I ever have because, mm. uh, I, now I don't really want to like make a career out of it. <laughs>
0: I yeah, already have, totally. I already have
1: that. I just want to do it. I agree with Cause you I love 100%. it. Yeah. 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 And that, that's like a pure enjoyment.
0: Years, yeah. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. The first couple of years as a music therapist, I was like, I just want to listen to silence in the car or <laughs> I just want to put on a podcast. But now I think the past few years, I've kind of had that same renaissance kind of in my yeah. life as well. Let's see a couple more. Um, what what's just one like pro tip or a hack or you know something that you all do that you feel like if if another person just does that thing, it can be uh, whatever. Just what's the pro tip that you would give, uh, whether it's directly to your field or just something business related that would help somebody?
1: Mm. Mm. Give me one sec because I've got a lot of these. I'm trying to think of what's uh, what a good one is. Mm. All right, I've got one um this is this has like nothing to do with anything we've been talking about okay you ready great, um I'm ready. so i i a couple of years ago my my lady was like doing all the cooking and mm-hmm. you know I, I would do dishes and that was kind of our deal and then one day she was like this is ridiculous you are sharing in this this stuff yeah. um so it's like that's <laughs> uh I was that's, like, that's totally fine um but being me i was like all right i'm 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 but we're th-. eating hot dogs tonight <laughs> yeah no for sure. Uh, but I was like, I'm going to business this thing because this is like she was like hunting for recipes and putting together grocery lists and it was a nightmare. I was like, I, I cannot live that way. So uh, I found <laughs> found an app called Plate Joy, um, which is funny. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there's other sister
0: company. <laughs> I know. Right. I'm sure there's others <laughs>
1: out there. Um, but on that thing, I like input like, you know, whatever my diet like, you know, situation I want to be at the time. And it just builds me like this beautiful uh, list of menus. Uh, that are wow. like all really, really good dishes. I can change some out if I don't like them. And then it gives me mm. a shopping list and I just go to the grocery store and I grab that stuff. So it's like all the joy of like those meal delivery companies, but without the like, there's so much waste that comes with those things. Uh, and yeah. I I don't really mind going to the grocery store anyway. Uh, so it, it's mm. like all the convenience of those and you just go to the grocery store and get what you need. Um. So for You're me- still
0: making cool meals and stuff. You
1: know? Yeah, and that's what makes it so much better because when I've done it before, I'm like, all right, I'm having chicken and broccoli. Um, but with this, I'm like having like, you know, shrimp pad thai and stuff like that. Um, so that's yeah, been my, that's my awesome. biggest hack. Uh,
0: that's, that's been real nice. Yeah. My life definitely changed when we started finally doing that grocery pickup. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That helps. That too. has changed my life. Cause I can't find a single thing in the grocery store.
1: <laughs> oh, well, so, and that's, what's so cool about this is it it, it works with Instacart too. So you, it'll like build um, your thing and then you hit a button and it just loads all that stuff into your Instacart shopping cart. So you Great. can pretty much automate the whole thing.
0: Ah, love it. Love it. Yeah. Plate joy. All right. Two more quick ones. All right. What is your go-to junk food?
1: Ooh, uh, I, I've been a sweets fan for much of my life. I am a, a cookie mm. freak. Um, in particular, there's a, a company in Nashville called Hi-Fi Cookies. Uh, they don't have Ooh. a shop or anything, but they're, they're around at bars and delis and all that sort of stuff. Um, and they're so good. They have one in particular called the Bowie after David Bowie. That's like a funfetti cookie. It's just like tons of rainbow sprinkles covering
0: the thing and like baked into oh, the thing. My wife would love that. Oh, you you gotta have it. Uh,
1: but be careful because I eat more of them than I ever should. Um, it's probably so, good that it's like three hours
0: away. Otherwise. Yeah, it definitely helps. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're so good that if I could have any one, that would be it. Awesome, awesome. Last, this can even be your all's work, but what? what person project organization who's somebody that's doing something that you want to lift up with a shout out?
1: Yeah. Um, my favorite, and again, this has nothing to do with music. I hope that's okay. Um, that's totally good. one of my favorite new companies I've found is a company called seed. Um, they're seed.com S E E D. Um, mm-hmm. they make these really, really great probiotics. Like, uh, m- most probiotics are like, they kind of burn up in your stomach, but these like last all the way through and like get to where they need to go. Um, but they like, they mix like amazing science of getting like really, really great probiotic strains so that everyone's like gut health can be really great um, with being super eco-friendly. That's another thing I love. I'm, I'm kind of transitioning Stringjoy into being hopefully like the most eco-friendly string company great. in the world. Um, we're awesome. in the process right now. Everything's still, um, you know, in, in motion. But seeds that way, everything that you get from them, their, their packaging just dissolves in your sink. You just pour oh, some water on it and it completely dissolves. Um, and I think that is so cool. So so new companies like that that are finding ways to solve problems, do things yeah. better and do things in an environmentally um, yeah. effective way are my favorite companies around right now.
0: Yeah. Double, triple bottom line kind of thing. So exactly. Yeah.
1: It's good for everybody.
0: Well, cool. Well, awesome, man. That is all I've got for you. It's been awesome to hear your story, hear about Stringjoy and what that's like to dive into starting a company and... Doing something so technical i think that's the train outside my house oh it's probably well, the train
1: outside our office we are uh, oh. right on the train tracks
0: we have train tracks right here too so <laughs> at least you, it held uh, off for most
1: of this and it's just coming yeah. in now
0: <laughs> that's all right that's telling us to, to cut it up so uh where you know where can people find you find uh different stuff about string joy Totally. It's in person or surfing on the web, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, the, the easiest way is, is always our website. We're at stringjoy.com, uh, S-T-R-I-N-G-J-O-Y. Um, we're also on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and all those things. Our handle's just stringjoy as well. Um, so any of those places are always great resources. Our YouTube's got a lot of great stuff if you want to geek out about strings like I do uh, or our blog on our site, which is stringjoy.com. Uh, slash blog, um, has really, really great stuff. Um, and if anybody has any questions from me or the team here, uh, hit us up anytime at support at dot And
0: we will be glad to, uh, you know, chat with you and hang out. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Scott. We're signing off. So just everybody remember, give more grace, share more love and make more music. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Scott. He was so easy to talk to and get along with and, I just urge you to go check out String Joy. Try their strings. They're awesome. I'm about to buy another set for pedal steel. So if you enjoyed this episode, the best way you could support us right now is leaving a rating, a review, or just telling someone in your life that you think would like this. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can send an email to podcast at gmail.com. You could join in the community on Instagram at make.more.music. Or you can call us and leave us a voicemail on our Google Voice at 502-509-5420. Otherwise, I'll catch you on the next time. Remember, give more grace, share more love, and make more music.